Welcome to The Working Ants with me, your host and coach, Rami Balut. I'm going to share with you secrets and strategies you only wish you knew years ago to accelerate your career today. This is practical stuff, no fluff. My mission is to create a new generation of leaders that brings out the best in people. This is where passions and profession yield profitability. Welcome to The Working Ant. Let's start in true fashion. A quote I'd like to uh, read to you all. And this is actually from a book that I quite frequently reference. It is called The Daily Stoic. It's uh, Daily Stoic or 365 Stoic by Ryan Holiday. It's just really nice in that it gives some uh, historical context and narratives uh, to some very, very impactful quotes that we continue to leverage today, obviously, in a more 21st century centric nature. But nevertheless, here we go. Were you to live 3,000 years or even a countless multiple of that, keep in mind that no one ever loses a life other than the one they are living. And no one ever lives a life other than the one they are losing. The longest and the shortest life then amount to the same. For the present moment lasts the same for all and is all anyone possesses. No one can lose either the past or the future, for how can someone be deprived of what's not theirs? And this is from Marcus Aurelius um, in Meditations. And for those of you that would like to, you know, purchase the book, this is from March the 15th in the book. So it's the Daily 365 uh, Stoic. And I absolutely love this quote by Marcus Aurelius because, you know, it basically tells us a lot of what it is that so many of us know, but it puts us into so much more perspective. And that is, you know, we think about the past a lot in a very, very nostalgic way, uh, bringing back elements of our past, feeling that we may have had some really, really great days that no longer exist in our present time. Or some of us may feel that, you know, the decisions that we made in our past through circumstances or otherwise very much are the reasoning behind where we are in our present day. And that very much well may be true, but it's important to also know that lingering in how we view our past and what was lost or what was gained or what was pain and what was pleasure does very, very little to serve um, how we can act in the present day. And for those of us that continue to look at the future in hoping and wanting and wishing for it to happen as we dream it would, uh, we also find that there is a strong opportunity cost lost and not focusing on the present day. Now, why am I bringing up something like this and why does it you know, relate to your career transition? Well, there are several reasons and a few of which I'm going to be speaking to you about today. But it's really, really important that you know, I, I, I frame this in a way where in your next set of interviews, or even as you start to position yourself in a different way and how it is that you look at your unfair advantage and your personal branding, that you don't sort of dwell on something that may or may not be there anymore, but something more that you aspire to be. And that can start with what it is we do today and our session with one another today. 
And it can start with what it is that you think about, obviously, post our session with one another. But there are a few things that I want to mention prior to getting into more of the the practical elements and that, you know, too many people seeking transition hold grudges towards the past. You know, they feel as if life has flown by and for some reason, you know, they never got on that train of success. Okay. And, you know, that's that feeling of bitterness, that feeling of sadness, that feeling of resentment, that feeling of a loss of control, perhaps, really influences them in the way they come across uh, today. And little do they know that subconsciously it affects how it is they are impactful in these future conversations they're having. It also um, has a lot to do with how much they truly feel that their positioning is very much aligned with who it is that they are and who it is that they want to be. And I say that because, you know, some of you may be thinking to yourself, you know, I've come to peace with, with my past and, and, I'm, and I'm taking a look at what's ahead and what I can do to sort of support that. But little do you know at times, and little do I know, I speak for myself here as well, that so much of what we've gone through impacts you know, how it is uh, we view our situations today. Take a look at networking, for example, right? Many of us shun the idea of networking, not because you know, we are not you know, capable of doing it, not because we are not capable of putting on you know, a semi-charm offensive, Many of us, and I've learned this uh, through my clients over the years, shun the idea of networking because it allows them to have to speak about a past they are not so proud of. And if you think about that for a moment and think about that for yourselves, you know, for those of you that feel that networking just isn't my thing, I don't want to be speaking to people too much and reaching out to people too much and having these new conversations because Rami, you know, if I'm trying to avoid this pain of where I was and sort of how it contributes to where I am today, why on earth would I want to be speaking about that? Why on earth would I have to paint a picture, a rosy picture, that I'm not so much proud of? And what this is called, um, and I want to put, put a label on this, or what psychologists would call, is this idea of self-discontinuity. And what basically happens here is this discontinuity of of our, of our past, right? Um, and and, and uh, it's a sense of loss. It's a sense of feeling that we, we've lost control somewhere, somehow, and we landed just by, just by chance, you know, Superwoman, Superman coming out from the sky and landing today. And there's a sense of loss, like, you know, how did we get here? Where on earth am I? And how on earth am I going to get myself out of this? Because I know I need to have something better. There's got to be a better way. Uh, but I have this self-discontinuity as it relates to my past. I feel like I've lost something along the way. And in reality, right, and this is Rami speaking to you, you know, out of my cautious optimism towards opportunity for every every single one of you, right, that there is plenty to look forward to, plenty of opportunities out there, plenty of levers in order to create them, plenty of levers in order to seek them and plenty of levers in order for you to acquire them. And it's really important that you recognize that because if you don't, right, there's going to be a sense of a continuous 
loss, right? And that's not what we want for ourselves. It's not obviously what I want for you. And I know, you know, that so many of you have gone through very unique experiences in your lives. But remember that the clock that starts for those that speak with you in the future starts in the present moment. It doesn't start in the past. They don't know what it is that you do not divulge and what it is that you choose, by the way, to, to share with them is all that they will really benchmark off of as they pursue and formalize your, your conversations with them, the interview process, and then all the way through, you know, alignment for, for a real future opportunity for ourselves. So the reason why I like to call this out, this self discontinuity is because, you know, I want you to be able to call it out for what it is. So if you feel um, at any point in time that, you know, I, I just don't feel good about, you know, my past, I'm not in a position where I can come up with something really strong that really resonates with me because I just don't feel good about it. Remember that the self discontinuity is something that's that's real and it's actually something that you can overcome. And it's actually, you know, I... Um, a book that I frequently mention, I think, I'm not sure if I'll, I'll be mentioning it much, much more often, but it was the, the book called The Power of Bad. And this was, I believe, by, by Roy Bowmeister. And I remember on page 205 of this book, I think towards the closing of it, you know, I, I wrote down this, uh, this interesting quote that I'm going to use as we sort of get into the practical elements of our session with one another today. And that is, you know, it is better to use the past to make sense of what your life has meant to see the memories as assets rather than reminders of what's missing. And I'm going to repeat that so you can think about that for a moment. Um, and for those of you that have the book, it's on page 205. It is better to use the past to make sense of what your life has meant to see the memories as assets rather than reminders of what's missing. And I find that to be so powerful because so many of us choose to look at our past, you know, as memories of perhaps what may be missing today versus as assets, right? Assets we can actually use in our positioning, assets that other people would love, you know, to be surrounded by, to have as part of their organization, as part of their team, as part of their particular use case, right? Whatever it is that you choose to be doing for your next transition, right? Wherever it is that we fall alongside in this journey, right? Using your past as an asset, right? Rather than a memory of what is missing. And I think that's absolutely beautiful because, you know, if we go back to what I was mentioning earlier and this idea of, you know, having this sense of like bitterness or feeling that we're, we're absolutely helpless and what it is that we do and where it is that we go. And so we, we focus on these activities and these memories that just don't serve us any good, right? And for those of you listening today, um, if this resonates with you, great. You know, you know who you are. That particular thing is, is not unique to you. All of us have, you know, a sense of, of loss at times of, of what could have been and what should have been, right? But it's so important and so critical for you to use, you know, a memory of a past as an asset, something that we can actually use for a future positive positioning as we work towards our career transition. And so how does this actually become so relative to what it is that we can talk about today as it relates to our career transition? Well, there's something really, really interesting here that I'd love to speak to you about today. And I think it's something that we can actually 
feel and, and resonate with very much and the way we we label it as we work towards being better at it. Um, and that is something called likability. I mean, wow, what a groundbreaking term, Rami, uh, likability. So I could have thought of that one myself, Rami. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, likability in its simplicity, right? That word in itself is just so important because, you know, I, I was speaking to a client yesterday. It's part of the reason why, you know, we're having this conversation today. But, you know, he is having so much struggle with believability. And that is just really creating these, you know, really compelling arguments and use cases as to why he'd be the best person suited for a particular role. But putting that aside, what he really, really has going for him is likability. He is just such a likable person. You, you speak to him and you're, you're automatically in a good mood. And I'm sure that you have people in your life that are just like that, right? It may not be someone in your, in your life and your proximity per se, but someone, you know, for example, you, you follow on social media, uh, someone, an author, like, you know, um, a book that you're reading, you know, um, or, or, or a poet, or even, you know, if you're Netflixing and binge watching, and there's a particular program that you're watching with your favorite actor or actress, you know, there's something there that when you see that person, right? On the big screen, you're like, my gosh, I feel so goddamn good about my life right now. And, uh, and, you know, despite the reality of things, I just feel so good having this person in my life. This idea of likability. And what does likability really mean? It, it has a lot to do with relatability, if you're thinking about that, right? It does have a lot to do with believability as well. And that, you know, is this person genuine and authentic um, in a multitude of ways? But it has a lot to do with a feeling and emotion, right? This this manifestation of a feeling and emotion that we project onto others that just make them feel a sense of calm, a sense of comfort, a sense of good, a sense of positivity, right? And that is what I want for you because when you are having these future conversations, when you're reaching out to people in your network and beyond, you know, having this feeling of likability, someone that you can be that another person will feel just so great speaking with even if the conversation doesn't go further than its original premise, well, at the very, very least, you've planted a seed for a future conversation and perhaps for a future transition. And so, you know, people want to interact with people that are likable, right? Do you blame them? I mean, no one wants to be interacting with someone that is not really likable. And if you think about it, so many people are passed up on opportunities, even though they're actually super qualified for the role, but just because they are not likable. And I know speaking to you today that there are some of you that acquired a position that they didn't necessarily have the direct experience for, right? But were likable enough that that was the primary reason why they were hired. The other skills and expertise, well, that was just learned along the way. There was this believability that you as an individual going into the organization was going to be successful in doing something you didn't necessarily have experience doing prior, but the likability aspect meant that this company, this organization, this team, these people were willing to invest in you to learn this new skill because you were so likable. Having you around was an absolute joy. And being able to create that joy, right, being a manifestation of that joy is just so critical. You know, if I tell you today that people that are happier individuals tend to live a longer life, what would you think about that? Some of you would agree. 
Some of you would probably disagree. Some of you, like myself, would say like, well, it sounds right, but I probably need the data to back it up. Well, you know what? I don't have the data to back that up, but I just put out a quote like that. And then the reason why a statement like that, rather, and the reason why I do that is I just want to get you thinking about things, right? Happier means living longer. And those are two positives, right? Depending on which way you look at it, of course, but those are typically two positives here. And what that really does is that, you know, if I were to talk about that subject every single day, I perhaps may be more, more of a likable person, right? I wouldn't be your coach necessarily, but I would be a much more likable person because speaking about a subject like this, you know, generates a wealth of joy and positive emotion. But again, here, going back to what I was saying regarding like likability, right? You know, people just want to interact with people who are likable, right? And I, and I, and I certainly don't blame them for that. And I don't think you would blame them either, you know, and we've got to appear likable, right? We've got to appear likable. And that is something that's very, very important in how it is we present ourselves. Now, whether it is we choose to write up an interesting summary on our LinkedIn profile, whether we choose to pre-record a, a 30 second or a one minute pitch or video that we choose to feature, uh, whether we choose to use, you know, interesting like tools for our resumes, like thumbnails, like a visual CV, for example, would generate for us. Um, that all has the idea, the perception of likability, how we leverage, for example, the real estate of our headline on our LinkedIn profile, how we choose, you know, to present ourselves in a picture, right? I actually had a consultation last week with someone that I guess I honestly just could not believe that I, that I was going to be speaking to someone just like I, I thought those days were over for myself. But, you know, I, I ended up speaking to a woman who whose picture on LinkedIn, and this was a consultation, by the way, who just had, you know, a literally had a Gucci hat, a Gucci hat, like a branded Gucci hat, a branded Gucci shirt. And I think like a Chanel, maybe it was a Chanel, not a Gucci thing. And it just was like, a, I, I think it was a Chanel, but it doesn't really even matter, right? A, a Chanel or a Gucci belt. And that was the picture that she had on her LinkedIn profile. And now had she been in fashion, for example, I would have said like, okay, you know, that, that totally resonates, right? But a researcher, right, an academic researcher, that just totally threw me off. And I was like, what is this? You know, what, what am I supposed to expect, expect here? Now, that is, you know, as it relates to branding, something that probably wasn't going to be consistent to the way she described herself to me, you know, in an actual conversation. And that was totally, by the way, is exactly what happened. So the likability aspect of it was in question. Am I really going to like this person who appears to be someone who is hyper-focused on the material? And that may be, you know, if I was in fashion, I would say, oh, wow, great, a good, great fashion sense. But someone, you know, being here in the Bay Area, you know, I look at this, I'm like, hmm, pretentious? I don't know. But the likability is in question. What I really, really am saying here is that we need to be very deliberate in what we choose to share with other people from a likability perspective, right? You know, we, we've got to be able to be aware of what we choose to put out, our verbiage, our tone, what do we choose to articulate? What do we simply just choose to write down for other people to read? You know, we need to be likable. And there are a few things that I just want to cover with you today um, on how to become more likable. Things that are very, very practical in nature because we've been talking about, okay, yeah, this likability, I'm feeling it, Rami. But what does that actually mean? How can I put that into practice? Well, you'll find out in, in a short moment here. But I want you to be very, very well aware of this idea of likability, right? And so how can we become more likable today? And so if I told you, and no surprise here for those of you that have taken the program, that people like people like themselves, right? But 
you know, people also like people that make them feel good about themselves, right? Or feel just good in general, right? And as you probably know, you know, as you grow in your careers, it's the people that we actually work with that make most of the difference in what the work actually is, right? So working with the right sort of people is a primary driver for most people's transition versus working and applying your skill set and expertise solely, right? So we want to be working with people that are also likable, but we obviously need to be likable in that group of people. We need to be a representation of that, that level of likability. So for example here, and the way we ask for a conversation, right? If we are going to be asking in a very, very direct, very, very mundane, very stale sort of way, without any sort of enthusiasm, uh, without any certain positivity, right? We are less likely to get a response, especially when we're reaching out to someone for the very, very first time, right? Now, when we actually do speak to this person, right? We obviously need to have a level of likability there as well. And how do we do that, right? Uh, we do that by, you know, your more, your more typical things, right? Being very appreciative of their time, being very grateful for the opportunity, being very thankful, right, towards the end of the conversation that they took the time to speak with you, right? Being able to ask for advice in a very genuine and authentic way rather than ask for direction, being able to get to know the individual, right, prior to asking whether or not there's an opportunity available for you to entertain or to solicit now or in the future. But how about as well when we follow up with these people, right? The types of communications that we use. Do we send them a message, you know, over LinkedIn? For those of you in, in other cultures, do we send them, you know, a WeChat, a WhatsApp, a text message, an iMessage, right? Do we do that? Do we send them a formalized email, right? Do we, for example, send them a video note, right? And we, we leverage that sort of functionality on LinkedIn, which by the way, I leverage a lot, right? A, a video note and, and a message. How do we then become most effective in our communication while also maintaining this level of likability? Um, and so that's extremely important, especially when we're asking someone for something that requires them to go out of their way. What about timing here, right? Doesn't timing play into something here? The timing of our ask the timing of our conversation, right? Typically, most people don't want to be speaking to anybody, right, on a Monday, right, when they've got so much to do on their plate. Typically, people in an interview, for example, don't want to be speaking to a candidate right before lunch, right? And that's just natural, right? I mean, the statistics there show, right? I've mentioned this stat over and over again, and I'll continue to say it. You know, if you look at Folsom Prison here in California, you know, most people that are granted right? Parole are those that have their parole hearings on Wednesdays and after lunch, right? What does that actually mean? You know, there's, there's a specific timing where people are much more open to conversation, to helping you out, to going out of their way to serve your interests, right? So timing your ask is a really, really big one. And I want here, you know, there, there's so many levels of different timing, but I just want you to ask yourself, what is a good time right? To reach out to somebody. What is a good time to contribute? Like, you know, for example, what I mean by that is, you know, if you look at uh, Medium as a platform or LinkedIn, for example, as a platform to uh, send out an article, you know, LinkedIn will tell you that, you know, Tuesday mornings, right? Tuesday afternoons are just about the best time to send out something on LinkedIn, meaning post or publish a contribution, an article, Etc. Right. That is the opportune time where people are most receptive 
to new information. It makes sense, right? After Monday, we've got our schedule out of the way. Tuesday, we're a little bit fresher. We're sort of like open to receive new information. We're much more likely to interact on a platform like LinkedIn or like Medium, right? When it's a Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon. Uh, so timing is a really, really big thing. But what about in relationship building? What about in our conversations with other individuals as we progress in our networking, in our networking outreach, right? One thing that a lot of my clients fail to do is admiration from appreciation versus admiration through adoration, right? And, uh, and I put this in this way because, you know, a lot of us come from a place where we feel that someone, and I, and I mean this culturally, I mean this, you know, socially, I mean this, you know, whether it's a, a, a value that you hold near and dear towards elders, people in positions of power, right? We discussed this over and over again in our weekly live group coaching sessions that, you know, we have this feeling of like, wow, this person who has reached this level of heights must be a, a really, really amazing person to have achieved this level of success, right? And that just may be the case, right? But when we do have these conversations with people, many of times we lose the impact of the conversation because we show appreciation through adoration, which is something like, thank you so much. I can't tell you just how much I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm so completely like an on and, and taken aback that you would actually take time out of your day to speak with me. I mean, I just, I, I can't believe it. I'm, uh, I'm so thankful. I'm eternally thankful for this, for this opportunity just to speak with you. Right. And, you know, there's different, different forms of this, of course. And, and yes, you know, I am exaggerating here. Most of you will not go that far, but I think, you know what I mean here. And that is, you know, appreciating someone through adoration doesn't level the playing field. What that does is it puts you in a position of deficiency where someone here who shouldn't be interacting with you, who shouldn't be socializing with you, who shouldn't be conversating with you, all of a sudden feels that they are in a position where they probably shouldn't have been doing it anyways. Why is this person so unbelievably thankful? I'm not talking about, you know, pure thank yous and gratitude here and follow-ups and conversations. I'm just talking about leveling the playing field to where you speak as equals, right? Speaking as equals, and I don't care what culture you are coming from, you know, gives you a much, much better chance of having someone go out of their way for you versus someone who truly feels they're doing you a favor, like a charity case. And you are not, for whatever reason, a charity case. No matter what it is that you do, I don't think you'd ever prove that to me, that any single one of you listening to me today is in fact a charity case at any level and at any time, right? But remember that if we can admire people through simple appreciation, I really truly thank you for your time, you know, our conversation was extremely enlightening. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll always look back on this conversation as something pivotal in my career transition. I really thank you for that insight and that advice that you gave me today. I'm really going to use it and here's how, you know, versus the adoration sort of way of like, you know, I just cannot believe that I'm speaking to somebody like this. And, I, and I'm going to give you a very, very good example, very practical example from a client of mine, which was not too far back. I think this was back in like November of 2019, um, he came from professional services. He was very, very senior and he wanted to get into hospitality, but you know, digital hospitality. And there's a particular company. It's a very, very up and coming uh, startup here in San Francisco. 
that is hospitality based. I'm going to know it's not Airbnb, but it would be, it would have been, had it not been probably for these times, a direct competitor, a direct contender to Airbnb. And what ended up happening was, you know, he came to my office. This was still during those times where we had those one-on-ones um, at my office um, in the financial district. And he's like, Rami, if I only could add this person to my network, if only this person could accept my invitation to connect on LinkedIn. And what we did is we worked on literally for 25 minutes, a strategy where the CEO, the founder, and I believe the CTO, we, we put something together and we sent these invitations out. And I swear within probably 15 or 20 minutes, for some odd reason, maybe the stars were aligned, maybe they were all doing nothing or in the same room, they all accepted his invitation. And he just jumped for joy, like completely jumped for joy and was like, oh my God, I can't thank you enough. This is amazing. I, I, I'm, I'm so excited. And I would be too, right? I would be too as well when the CEO of a company that I would aspire to work for added me to their LinkedIn, you know, to their LinkedIn network, right? But what he ended up doing afterwards in my office, having these interviews, which I had done my, my, my utmost best to advise, you know, against it. He just, he just couldn't, it was in his personality. It was in his culture and I don't blame him for, it. I don't fault him for it. Right. But he was just overwhelmed with joy on this conversation to the point where it was adoration. It wasn't, it wasn't joy anymore. It was this extreme, like I, thank you. And I've been reading this and I can't believe what you've done. And I'm just incredibly like amazing. It was in like in that sort of context, but it just kept going on and on and on. And what ended up happening was this person on the other side, who I think was just, you know, melted by his charm, really didn't know what to do, really didn't know how to react, really didn't know how to help. Even when I think on paper, this person looked absolutely just great, but that sort of conversation that he had just blew his chances completely. And we still suffer from that today and on a multitude of levels. Um, and so just remember that when you're having these conversations, you know, admiration from appreciation to people that are going to be speaking with you does you much, much better justice than admiration through adoration. And, and I think here, one, one last point that I'll make is uniqueness through likability, right? We need to be unique. People that are likable are typically very unique in nature. And you may be asking yourself like, you know, Rami, how, how can I be unique? I was speaking about, speaking to this yesterday when one of my clients in, in a large tech company, actually, it doesn't really matter here. It was, it was Google here um, in the Bay Area. And she was actually telling me, we were talking about imposter syndrome. And she was like, Rami, I'm just like every Asian girl. I'm just like any Chinese American girl. Like people just look at me and they think, you know, give her you know, the, the harder tasks, give her the ones, you know, that have a lot of number crunching, like, and I just can't stand that. Like I'm just viewed that way. And of course, and we got into a very deep conversation that, you know, in the way she views herself is, is very much in the way other people view her. But this was the conversation we actually asked. She's like, how can I be unique here? I mean, people just keep looking at me as this Chinese American girl that who's just throw all the hearts, hard, difficult tasks on when Rami, I am not that kind of a person. Uh, that happens obviously through a transcendence of cultures and people's personalities, of course, but I'm not going to get into that today and, and imposter syndrome and whatnot. Maybe I'll get into it in the future if you'd like me to. But here's this idea of uniqueness, right? How can we be unique? My client felt that she just wasn't unique. She wasn't able to distinguish herself amongst her peers. And so likability, yes, has a lot to do with uniqueness. And this particular client of mine, 
like many clients of mine, will have performance reviews, which is just around this time, at least here in the Bay Area, or at least here in North America, where you know a lot of managers, a lot of leaders, a lot of people will come and just say, you know what, I want to get to know you better. What is it that you're all about? You know, some of you may be a little bit mysterious, right? Like, you know, what is this person about? How can I put my thumb to a pulse here and under- better understand what this person values, how this person would react in a certain situation. People just want that level of certainty. But again, we want to be unique, right, in the way we present ourselves. And our uniqueness has a direct correlation to the level of likability. It can go very much in favor for us, or it could go completely the opposite here. And so what I would like you to do is just consider how can you be a little bit more unique the next time you communicate on a very, very practical level here. You know, one thing that I mentioned that I absolutely love to do, that I would that I would really, really consider that you try to do. It could be with people in your fabulous five. It could be people that you just happen to know. It could be just like friends that you're speaking with. It could be people that you haven't connected with for a long time and you want to make a strong impact. But, you know, and, and for some of you to be like, I know where Rami's going with this. Well, you, you probably are correct here in that, you know, send out a video note. You know, send out an audio note if you're not comfortable with that as well. You know, have people hear your voice, see your face, uh, see those expressions, right? That just makes you more unique. Think about, you know, how you can use that level of likability through channels that are most impactful. Differentiate yourself. Distinguish yourself. You know, th- there's, a, there's a quote, you know, I think this is back, you know, uh, and I'm sure this, this quote transcends cultures, but it's something like, you know, when... When there's no food, there's only one problem, right? Meaning that we've got to eat. But when there's plenty of food, we have many of problems. This is like, you know, for those of you that are in the rap game, this is like, you know, the biggie, you know, more money, more problems kind of thing, right? That's the same thing when it comes to, you know, great qualified candidates at times, right? You know, and and us actually being able to distinguish ourselves, right, um, in a way that is truly unique. And so when there are so many people vying for a particular position, how are we going to differentiate ourselves? How are we going to, how are we going to become much more unique? In a way like this, you know, when you get into the practice of doing it, the habit of doing it, you know, people appreciate it in so many ways. People look forward to it in so many ways because, but you've got to believe that, right? You've got to let go of those memories of the past that serve as reminders of what we don't have versus the memories as assets, who you are today, all these wonderful things that have, you know, contributed to the creation you are today. And which is absolutely beautiful, which is absolutely wonderful. You don't need me to tell you that, of course, right? I just want you to look at, you know, an opportunity to communicate through a uniqueness of channels because you are unique, right? And so doing so in a variety of ways here. Perhaps some of you may be thinking at a client of mine not too long ago, you know, she was telling me, Rami, I got passed up for an opportunity. I wanted to transition. Uh, I think it was in Munich, Germany for a, uh, a role with Philips, uh, Philips, the electrical company, Philips. And she was passed up on for this opportunity, uh, not because they didn't love her, just because, you know, the opportunity wasn't aligned. And so what I asked her to do is that, you know, we actually put together a use case right, for this particular division of Philips, so that they could actually see that having her being a part of the organization, even if it meant creating a new position for her, was warranted, was something that they would probably be, you know, doing themselves good, right? Should they at very, very least entertain that? And what she did was she put together a use case somewhere around their operational planning, right? Something that she could do for them, 
right? If or should they create a position for her, right? This this use case. So it's almost like it's almost like in this case, creating this opportunity where there's a particular role, right? And we were asked to put a use case together, and that's exactly what we did. We put together a role description. We wrote it out ourselves, and we said, okay, if we had this role description, which is the most aligned thing that you want to be doing for yourself, how could you put together a use case? Or let's just pretend you were asked asked for a use case. What use case would you put together? right? When applying for this position. And let's use that, right? In a form of a use case for ourselves, right? For our own candidacy for this particular position. And that, you know, is very, very unique because most people wouldn't do that. Most people wouldn't do that. Most people wouldn't even accompany, accompany that with like a video and introducing that, right? A step-by-step sort of, sort of process along the way, right? And so that's sort of why, if you speak for me, like, you know, Rami, you know, my, myself, like, why is it that I continue to put on my website, you know, my ebook on, you know, finding your unfair advantage? You know, the, the, the activities there, are, I think, are just great. But at the same time, there's so many videos there that sort of explain it along the way. And people get a good flavor of what is to come. But at the same time, it's much more impactful, right? Because there's a certain likability aspect to it that's very deliberate in nature, right? And I found that out through massive amounts of iterations and ideations, right? It's the same thing as it relates to us, as it relates to you and your next transition. Another sort of way we can become unique here in our conversations, and I absolutely love this strategy and I love this approach. It works time and time and time again. Um, and I want to share this with you because I'm obviously so excited about it. And that is when we are having conversations with people that we would like to work for, companies we'd like to be a part of, missions and visions we'd like to get behind, products and service we'd like to be a part of, right? Companies with great ethos, right, uh, that we'd like to be affiliated with, you know, through our own work, right, through working for these companies. When we have conversations with these people, Right? Because I truly believe it's an inevitability that we will, should we be deliberate in nature in our pursuit of those. One thing a lot of you struggle with, and that is, you know, asking directly, you know, for an opportunity, right? Let's just say I was in product and I wanted to apply for a, a senior product management role or a director of product. And I finally had the opportunity to speak to the VP of product, who was the hiring manager for this particular position. I finally had the opportunity to have an informal conversation with this person. Let's make this extremely challenging and very difficult, right? And we finally had this opportunity. We have, we have 10, maybe 15 minutes in this conversation. And, you know, by design, you know, we talk a lot about our, our past, our, our, you know, our, our credibility, this level of consistency in the way we are perceived both on paper and in conversation. But we get into this point where you know, we have to make an ask some way. We want to we continue this conversation in the future. One way that works so well, that really, really, really masks sort of like our ask is the ask itself, which is in this case, advice. And so let's just say I wanted to work for this particular company and work for this particular organization. And I, and I really, really, really was just, I didn't feel comfortable making a direct ask to this person. What I would typically do there is ask for advice. You know, I would say something along the lines of like, it was just, you know, such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time and allowing me sort of like share my experience with you. You know, I'm actively seeking my next transition from what you've heard today. What sort of advice would you have for me if I were to pursue an opportunity, you know, 
not necessarily an organization like yours, but, but like yours, uh, what sort of advice would you have for me? Um, and if the conversation goes well, and you've heard it from me here, that sort of ask for advice is really just the mask, right? It's just the mask for the other person to say like, well, if I really enjoyed this conversation and this person is, is asking me for my own advice and is asking me, you know, to perhaps guide him or her in a specific way. Well, if they made such an impact on me, well, if I had an opportunity, wouldn't I want to consider this person? And typically the case is yes. If you've done such a great job, right, this, this person through that ask would then feel compelled to say, well, you know what, how about an opportunity? And they may not say this directly, most times they won't, right? But how, how about an opportunity to work for us? Um, how about an opportunity for me to introduce you to someone that I think would be of great benefit to you, right? Asking for advice this way versus asking directly for an opportunity right? Makes you unique, makes you different, makes you come from an angle that is different from all those that have conversations like this, right? And then say, you know, I really want to work for you. How can we make that happen? Right? Um, which puts that person in a very, very odd spot. Sometimes actually having that conversation and being very direct there can be very, very beneficial in the actual interview process, that is. But having this sort of conversation initially and being unique and asking for advice implicitly is telling that person, well, if you really like me, right, I'm available, right? Isn't, isn't that great? And, 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 and I, and I, and obviously there's a, there's a, there's different ways of asking for advice here and masking sort of what it is that we want, but just being unique in this way produces and yields the more prospect of better results. Um, at least through, through my practice here, this is Rami's world, of course, speaking, but it also increases our likability, Right. The likability of our nature in, in that, you know, we were really, really great in asking someone for advice versus asking someone directly for something that may or may not be truly obvious. And so this idea of likability can go so many ways, but I want you to really just take a moment and think about that for yourself. How can you be more likable? What could you do? Is it mirroring somebody, for example, in a conversation? Is it mirroring their tone? Is it mirroring their, mirroring their excitement? Is it, you know, benchmarking or leveraging something that you already know from reading through their profile, right? What can you do to be more likable? And I don't mean going out and doing something, you know, completely outlandish here where it's absolutely not aligned or genuine to you and your nature, but ask yourself, how can I be more likable, right? And I bet you, you know, if you write this stuff down, what you'll eventually get to, one critical component is like yourself. You know, appreciate yourself, love yourself, whatever it is that's transpired, whatever it is that's occurred, you've got to be comfortable with yourself. If you can't be comfortable with yourself, if you can't understand that everything about where you are today is where you're supposed to be, you know, then, then what did we leave? What did we leave? What do we do? Where do we go from here? Right. You've got to be comfortable in your own skin. You've got to be comfortable with the fact that things may, may not pan out the way you have wanted them to, but there's a chance. There's a chance because you're with me today, you're listening, you're healthy and well, hopefully, fingers crossed, right? You've got a background and an education and an opportunity strong enough for yourself in order to make something better out of it for your future. And I, I implore you, please, I impart on you these words of, really being able to be comfortable with yourself 
loving yourself uh, for who you are, all that you've become, what does that person want? What does that person need? Right? What would that person advise? Right? And I'm sure no matter what it is, right, your ability to be comfortable with yourself, to love yourself, to appreciate yourself, to accept yourself for who you are and all its glory right, is a huge factor in how to become more likable at the very, very least. And those that are great in their skin and are great in just feeling that they are empowered to be who they are, right? It's those people that come across the most unique. And isn't that strange? Being unique means being yourself. And this day and age, that's what uniqueness is. Obviously, it could change, you know, down the line. In the past, it was, it was quite, quite different, right? But today, being unique means being yourself. And I hope, obviously, with all my heart here, that you, you, you choose to be yourself and to be your best self at that. If you've gotten this far in my podcast, I'm hoping that means that you love my coaching content. If you'd like to continue the journey with me on a much deeper, personal, and immersive level, please visit my website at ramibalut.com and schedule a 45-minute real talk session with me. You can also enroll my online program at theworkingant.com and join me for five months of weekly live group coaching where you can ask me your questions live in a group coaching setting. Use code PODCAST for an incredible discount at checkout. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Your career fulfillment is so important to me. You deserve nothing less than that. I truly hope you take what we talked about today and use it deliberately, practically, and strategically to accelerate your next career transition, conversation, or simply just to nourish your personal and professional life. If you'd like to receive periodic content from me, please visit ramibalut.com and register for my mailing list by signing up to receive your free ebook, which by the way, is an awesome ebook, if I may say. Until next time, this is your host and coach, Rami Balut, signing off for today's podcast on The Working At. Remember, if not you, then who? If not now, then when?